A week ago yesterday, excuse me, a week ago yesterday was graduation uh, day for nine, this guy, this boy, nine-year-old Henry and about 40 other kids. Uh, according to the World Herald, most of these kids deal with autism. Um, I'm starting to get a little pop again like we did first service. Uh, should we switch over? We're good. All right. And... Uh, According to the World Herald, most of these kids with autism had never been able to ride a bike. And at the five-day uh, I Can Bike Camp, the first day, the, the back wheels were replaced with this wide foam roller so they could ride. And they would ride for about 75 minutes. And the next, and each subsequent day, that roller got narrower and narrower until they learned their balance, and by the end of the week, they were riding like champs. Henry's dad, this boy's dad, says, for something that once caused so much anxiety, to put a huge smile on his face, that's a huge victory. This is our first Sunday in the series, Finding Your Balance. This Sunday, we're looking at having enough time. Next Sunday, enough money. The following Sunday, enough rest. According to University of Illinois professor, research shows that people in rich nations are more stressed than people in poor ones, which at first doesn't make sense. But he says part of the stress is time pressure. Too much to do. And they talk about an experiment that was done uh, where researchers gave out $40 to individuals on two successive weeks. Uh, the first week, they had to buy something tangible for themselves. The second week, they had to spend that $40 on something that helped them save time. Now, both experiences were nice, right? Somebody gives you 40 bucks each week, that's great. Uh, the first one, the first week gave them a happiness bump. The second week, though, that bump was even bigger because they spent the money on something that would save time. Now, uh, I was just thinking, you know, Walt, if you want to conduct this experiment, I think there'd be plenty of us here who'd be willing to receive the $40 each week. I just wanted to see, let you know that. You know. Uh, now, some of the people in the experiment hired, did different things. They, they hired maybe the neighbor kids, help them with the lawn work. They, they had lunch uh, delivered to them. According to the Bible, part of wisdom means recognizing the limits of our time. Part of wisdom is recognizing the limits of our time. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 12 is a prayer. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. But we always feel the crunch, don't we? A lot of us do. Uh, and we say to ourselves, if I only had more time. But you know, think about it. On the first Sunday of November, you get an extra hour. 25 hours that day. Now, yeah, that's the hour they borrowed from you in March. But still, that day, you get an hour. Uh, does that 25 hours suddenly make everything better? Every four years, you get an extra day. 
Does that make everything better? You see, time is not our problem. Isn't it? Time is not our problem. It's a spiritual issue. Our lives have fallen out of balance from the way God meant for us to be. Annie Dillard, I like this quote. She says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Do you ever think of that? How you spend your day is how you are spending your life. The eternal Christ was born into our human life and given, uh, taken, he was given the name Jesus and he took on our human limitations of time. So today we're going to look at what Jesus did. I'm going to ask you if you would open your Bible to uh, Mark chapter 6, the, the passage that Becky read for us earlier, uh, starting with verse 30, Pew Bible, page 1008. And uh, if you're here today, you don't have a Bible at home you can read. We can fix that. Just take that pew Bible home. We'll stick another one in later. And if you're thinking, well, where do I start? I would, starting with this gospel that Mark wrote about Jesus would be great. It's the shortest of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. Now, uh, Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Usually at this point in the gospels, these disciples are not called apostles yet. Uh, later on they were called that but they were called it here because Jesus had just sent them out a mission and that's what apostle means is you were sent with a mission so Jesus had sent them out in, in pairs to, to talk to the people about the kingdom of God and to call them to return to God and to uh, heal those who are sick and to restore the oppressed and so they've just come back from their mission and everybody's excited now let's look at verse 31 then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, can we pause there for a moment? Everybody knows the standard definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You know, I did a little research on that. Turns out Albert Einstein wasn't the one who came up with that, nor Ben Franklin. We don't know who's the first one to come up with that. Also, I want to say that insanity is serious stuff, and I don't want to make light of it. But for me, one definition of at least I could say my mental imbalance is when I'm too busy to eat, right? I mean, if I'm too busy to eat, in my book, that's crazy. Uh, and you know, I think maybe at some level Jesus might agree because when it says that they did not even have a chance to eat, verse 31, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He's saying, hey guys, let's get out of here. You know, we can't keep up this pace. Uh, let's go grab some lunch. We'll find a quiet place. We'll, get, we'll take a nap. And so, you know, they all, they all pile into the boat, probably one that belonged to one of the disciples, and they, they sail off in the lake. The plan is to, uh, you know, take the boat a few miles farther down shore and find some quiet spot to camp. But life does not go as planned. Do you ever have days like that? Where life does not go as planned. Well, I want you to know you're in good company because it happened to Jesus too. What happened? Well, the people on the shore kept watching the boat. 
and following along, walking down along the shore, following it. So when, when Jesus and his disciples land the boat, guess who's there? All these people. And we're not, not, we're not talking 50 people. We're talking thousands of people. Here's what I get from this. Even Jesus did not live a life of perfect, uninterrupted balance. He had days that were long and exhausting, and you, you and I are never going to achieve this nirvana-like balance where everything stays perfectly steady. It's not going to happen. Finding our balance means constantly adjusting, right? Let's say that together. Finding our balance means constantly adjusting. It's the same with riding a bike. You know, when you're riding a bike, say keep your balance, you're always making adjustments. You know, you're turning those handlebars, adjusting that wheel so that you can, you can keep your center of gravity there. Now, you could plan I gotta stay close to this mic. You could plan a perfectly balanced week. You could map out every minute of your week uh, and it would be beautiful on paper. But is your week really going to go that way? I doubt it. Let's skip down to verse 34, if you would, with me. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. His long, hungry day was about to get longer and hungrier. After a while, you know, the disciples, I'm sure they're getting hungry and they figure everybody else must be getting hungry too and it's getting late. The solution is simple. Let's get rid of these people. You know, there, there are some towns within walking distance. Send them all. They can go buy food, and then we won't have this problem anymore. But Jesus sees a miracle in the making, and with his blessing, a little food becomes enough. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Enough. Enough for everyone. Well, after the meal, they get everything cleaned up, and the sun is setting, and Jesus tells all the people, yeah, you can all go home now. And Jesus tells his disciples, you go on ahead. You get in the boat and go on ahead. And now if you'll skip way down to verse 46, the last verse that we looked at earlier. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So Jesus adjusts his day because the people are important. He had compassion on them. He teaches them and feeds them. And then Jesus adjusts again because time alone with his heavenly father is important. You know, I'm guessing that maybe his original plan was to spend time earlier in the day praying. But it didn't turn out that way. So he adjusts. I know some of you are in the middle of an extremely demanding phase of your life. Maybe you're, you're raising little kids and, the, the, I mean, just constant need and attention. And you, besides that, you have to keep up with the bills and the laundry and the meals and the shopping and the dentist and the doctor. I mean, some days you just want to throw up your hands and say, I can't do it. It's too much. I don't have enough time. And I say, yeah, it's hard. 
And those of you who are doing it as a solo parent, it's hard for me to imagine how you keep it all going. But here's what I've come to believe. When we say we don't have time, it's time to make decisions. When we say we don't have time, it's time to make decisions. Compare it to this. Here's an analogy. Now, how many of you have ever been in my office? Uh, some of you, not that many. You're going to have to come see me, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you've ever been in my office, you know that I'm not one of those people who, who leaves the workday, leaves the office with a completely cleared desk. I mean, you know, you can see desk there. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can see some of it, but it's not completely clear. And, you know, I kind of think about my desk. Okay, I've got some papers over here that I probably need to sort through. And, and then I've got some, a couple of piles of books over here. And then I've got uh, an art, copies of an article over here and uh, some Post-it notes over by my phone. And, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I will, I will admit to you that everything on my desk represents indecision. Okay. Everything on my desk represents a decision that has not yet been made. And when things get really piled up on my desk, I could say, I don't have enough desk space. I need a bigger desk. But that's not the problem, is it? The problem is I need to make some decisions. And that's how it is in our lives. Now, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But we need to make some serious decisions about how we're going to live in the time we have. You're not getting a bigger desk. Sometimes as parents we feel like we owe our children uh, uh, the, the opportunity to make the most of every th tiny thread of talent they might ever have. So we pack our weeknights and our weekends with, with games and practices and rehearsals and performances. And let me tell you, it's wearing you out. And it's wearing them out. And important things get left out because life has come out of balance. It's time to make some decisions. In my first year as a pastor, I, you know, I was excited. Jump in, you know, I finally get to live out my calling and I was, I was ready to go. My days were full. I had several evenings a week that were also full. And what fell to the wayside was my time alone with God. You know, I was feeling bad about it. You know, I would try to do better, but then I didn't. And uh, I knew that this wasn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to keep up as a pastor if I don't have this going. So I, I sought the counsel of a uh, of a pastor who was in our church. Actually, he was a philosophy professor at the time, but also had been a pastor and a uh, very wise man. And so I told him my dilemma, asked him if he had any you know, advice for me. And he helped me to, to see that I'd really been through a big adjustment in my life, you know, from being a, a seminary student. I mean, I'd been a student for 20 years, right? just about, and then now becoming a, a pastor, instead of living by a class schedule, I was now living by a calendar, which changed all the time. And uh, he helped me to see the kind of adjustments that I, that I was making and needed to make. But it also occurred to me that even though I was, could, wasn't finding time to be alone with God, 
I had never been once too busy to eat. Hadn't happened. I had not missed one meal because I didn't have enough time. I had to face the fact that when I'm not taking time alone to be with God, it's not a time problem. It's a spiritual problem. At least it was for me. I, I want to be the center of my world. I want to be in charge. I want to prove my worth by accomplishing more so everybody is proud of me and likes me and I want to please myself and please others. And It's a spiritual problem. Well, I have an insert for you today. Uh, you'll look at the one that, pull it out where it looks like this on the screen, the wheel of life. Uh, it's a pie chart, but I like to think of it as a wheel, all right? And uh, it shows eight areas of life, family slash friends, uh, serve community slash love neighbors, health, money, personal growth, worship slash spiritual growth, and career. Now. Need everybody to grab a pen or pencil, will you? Okay. Because there's a part of it I left out. I didn't think of it at this point when we printed it up. But I'm going to ask you if you'll draw another circle about a half inch inside the circle you see there. All right? So you've got a, an inner circle there. And then on the, on the left-hand side or somewhere, you can write this question you see there. How is my balance in each area of life? Now... The, the inner circle that you just drew on there represents the sweet spot of good balance. So if something falls below that, well, it's sort of not enough to be in good balance. And uh, if it's beyond that inner line, then it's maybe gone too far. And so it's too much to be in good balance. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to pick one of those eight areas and color it in however far you, kind of like this one up there. So color it in however far you think it is, either underbalanced or overbalanced or just, just right, uh, and fill that in, okay? So you're, you're all kind of busily doing that right now, I'm sure. You might have to share with somebody if, you, if you're sharing a bulletin, you might have to share a wedge, or you do one and I'll do another one for now. Um, and then, uh, what, what I want you to do right now is share it with somebody near you, okay? Maybe somebody you're sitting by or somebody you came with, or you're brave, you can tap the shoulder of somebody, a stranger in front of you and say, hey, can I show you my wheel? And so, anyway, just, just take a minute, and if you feel like, you know, I'm not into to, uh, group participation today, you don't have to. But I think most of you will, so I'm going to let you share that for a minute.
Okay, did you get to share a little bit about your wheel? Now, the idea is you're going to, I hope you'll, you'll take this home and um, fill out the rest of your wheel, okay? And then maybe you might want to, you know, share with some friends or, or uh, maybe even your, your group, your faith walk group. Bring it there and say, okay, you know, let me tell you about my, my wheel of life. Um, now, one area that, that I personally would fill in lower than ideal, lower than being in good balance, uh, would usually be serving community-loving neighbors. And, you know, for, the reason is because for so long I figured, well, I don't really have time. I, I don't have enough time to do that. I've got, I've got plenty to do. I've got enough to do where I'm, where I'm at right now. But you know, I have to tell you, it's starting to get better. You know, the last few years, as many of you know, I've, I've been a teammate mentor over at, uh, for a student over at Central Middle School. Uh, it takes about 45 minutes a week, so that's kind of one way I can serve in the community. Um, I haven't done as well with loving my neighbors in my neighborhood, and pretty much I figured it must be their fault. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, because, you know, they must not be very friendly or something, but... Uh, Anyway, this idea has been rolling around in my head the last few weeks, uh, last few years. I've even shared it about it before, but I never did anything. I kept putting it off. You know, well, I think about it, and then, well, we never did do that, did we? You know, and the idea was to host an outdoor Saturday breakfast for the neighborhood. And uh, anyway, this summer we put it on the calendar. This summer we made a to-do list of all the things that would have to happen if we were going to do it. And then Monday evening, Trisha and I rang the doorbell to the other uh, 21 homes on our stretch of that street. Those that were home, we invited them uh, to our outdoor breakfast. Those that weren't, we stuck the flyer in their door. And the outdoor breakfast was yesterday, and it rained. So we had to get up extra early to, to clean our garage. Kind of looks like my desk. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we cleaned up the garage, and counting us, half of the 22 homes were represented. We had, we had 30, yeah, I was, I was thrilled to, uh, thanks to Chris Eshelman, because we used her recipe for breakfast burritos. And uh, we had fruit there as well. Uh, we had 37 people, including the uh, community relations coordinator from the sheriff's department that I had invited. Yeah. So now we know about twice as many neighbors uh, than, as we did before. We look forward to getting to know them better. So now I'm thinking that that part of my wheel is getting better, right? It's, it's kind of growing to where, closer to where it should be. Now, obviously, fill, filling out this wheel is totally subjective. And you can see, of course, I did it in all colors just because I thought that was fun. But uh, you can do it however you want. And, but I will tell you that the more that you get to know Jesus, and the more you learn from him and love him and obey him, the more he's going to show you what true balance really is. Because we don't know on our own. He's going to reshape your values. He's going to realign your priorities. He's going to show you a new kind of balance in God's kingdom. 
Now, if you'll flip that page over with the wheel to the other side, I'll, I'll show you uh, another tool that I have for you called a time tracker. Now, I did this this last week. I tracked what I call two time stealers and two restorative practices. Now, a time stealer doesn't mean it's bad, but it tends to, you, you, you find yourself tending to spend way more time on it than it deserves. So, I picked television and social media as my time stealers, and I recorded how many minutes I spent each day for the week, total them up, uh, on, on those things. And for my restorative practices, I, didn't, I did not choose scripture and prayer because at this, right now in my life, those are, are, are pretty consistent. Uh, but I, I also wanted to, there are other things I wanted to develop, and, and one is that I can continue to play uh, more uh, the mountain dulcimer, which is the musical instrument I play, and also getting exercise, which I tend to do, but you know, sometimes I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. Uh, and I want to be more intentional about both of those things. What I found was that just the act of tracking those four things, I made better decisions. Just the fact that I was logging those things, made, I made better decisions. Um, less time for the stealers, more time for the restorative practices. And for me, I, I happen to use, as you see on the page, I use that app that A-Tracker app. It took me a little while to learn it, but, but after that it was pretty handy because it totals all things as you go. Uh, now, what I'm going to invite you to do right now is to jot down one activity. Could be a time stealer, could be a restorative practice, but write down your first one there on that, on that chart, okay? Just quick, think of something quick, something you'll want to keep track of this week. Jot it down, and now go back to that same person or persons that you talked with earlier and share them what yours is, okay? So take a half minute and do that. And maybe if you can't think of one, you'll th they'll help you think of one. Okay, so what do you, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to get home now and you're going to fill out those other four activities. Uh, and over this week, God's going to open your eyes and help you find better balance. So right now, I want us to review where we've come so far today. Let's say these together, shall we? There it is. Time is not our problem. Finding our balance means constantly adjusting. When we say we don't have time, it's time to make decisions. Psalm 31, verse 15 is a prayer. It says, my times are in your hands. God, my times are in your hands. And from a Christian perspective, I think about my life here is my time. 
but also looking forward to eternal life as my time. My times are in God's hands. So I just want to ask you today, are your times in God's hands? Or are they still in your hands? I think about Jesus' hands and how he was nailed to the cross as he carried our sins and the guilt of our sins upon himself. Are, are your times in his hands? Or are they still in your hands? I believe that you will never experience eternal life. You will never experience true peace until your times are in his hands. And when your times are in his hands, he's going to give you a whole new definition of wholeness and balance and show you how to live. And today, today is the time to put your times in his hands.